The good news is that this low starting point may allow Trump to dramatically improve the United States' position. The A-Team A president cannot foresee all the foreign policy crises he will face, but he can choose the people he will have at his side when those crises erupt. As Trump promised, during the campaign, he has assembled a team of the best and brightest the country has to offer. Secretary of Defense James Mattis and National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster rank among the most influential military officers of their generation. Both are not only extraordinary leaders, but also intellectuals capable of far-sighted strategic thinking. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson served as the CEO of ExxonMobil for over a decade, running a corporation with revenue larger than the GDPs of many small nations and overseeing operations in more than 40 countries. Rounding out the National Security Cabinet, Vice President Mike Pence, UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, Director of National Intelligence Dan Coats, and CIA Director Mike Pompeo are all experienced and accomplished politicians. Some have raised concerns about the placement of Steve Bannon, the White House Chief Strategist on the National Security Council's Principals Committee. But Obama also regularly invited political advisors to NSC meetings, and as in the past, the discussions will likely center not on politics, but on the views of national security officials. Critics have also slammed Trump for filling sub-cabinet positions too slowly, but this charge is ill-informed. George W. Bush's Undersecretary of Defense for Policy, for example, did not take office until six months after Bush's inauguration. Moreover, those who have been named, such as Brian Hook, appointed as the State Department's Director of Policy Planning, and John Huntsman, a former governor of Utah and Trump's nominee for ambassador to Russia, are experienced and highly respected public servants. Better than it looks. Like any new administration, the Trump team has made mistakes. It designed and rolled out the initial travel ban poorly, an unforced error given the popular support for stronger border security and immigration reform. More broadly, the team has struggled to stay on message. But taking a step back reveals that Trump has gotten much of the big picture right. The world is changing rapidly, and the United States must adapt if it is to succeed. Trump's comfort with disruptive change may make him particularly well-placed to oversee a creative reinvigoration of U.S. foreign policy. Some have charged that Trump's America-first approach signals the end of international U.S. leadership. It doesn't. If the United States is not strong at home, it cannot be strong abroad. Trump's calls for tax cuts, deregulation, and major infrastructure investments have already boosted domestic economic confidence. From last year's election to the beginning of March, U.S. stocks added nearly $3 trillion to their value. Under Trump, the United States may finally break out of its recent cycle of low productivity, low inflation, and low growth. To maintain its international position, the United States will need a strong military. Trump has promised one of the greatest military buildups in history. His first budget proposal includes a $54 billion down payment on this promise, and working with Republican majorities in Congress, the administration will likely improve on this opening bid. The Department of Defense will finally get the funds Obama denied it. Trump recognized that the U.S. military must modernize to face a new nuclear age when he promised in an interview with Reuters in February that the United States would be at the top of the pack in nuclear capabilities. Critics have called this goal reckless, but the United States must have a robust nuclear force to protect its allies in Europe and Asia. Moreover, past U.S. presidents have expressed similar ambitions. John F. Kennedy, for example, avowed in 1963 that it was essential that the United States in this area of national strength and national vigor should be second to none. 
Since Trump's inauguration, his administration has also shown strong support for U.S. allies. Mattis made Seoul and Tokyo the first overseas stops by a Trump cabinet official. And Trump further solidified his commitment to Asia by hosting Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe for an intimate weekend gathering at his Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida. As president-elect, Trump called NATO obsolete. But since taking office, he has repeatedly voiced his support for the alliance, a message that Pence and Mattis relayed in person at the Munich Security Conference in February. Some have criticized Trump for suggesting that NATO members should increase their defense spending, but U.S. administrations from Dwight Eisenhower's to Obama's have made this same request. The only difference is that Trump's approach is working. As Germany's defense minister, Ursula von der Leyen said at the Munich Security Conference, our traditional reflex of relying above all on our American friends' vigor and ducking away when things get really tight will no longer be enough. We must also carry our share of the burden. Others.